True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. And just like that, it's June. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. We are now one-third into the Fantasy Baseball season. Frank Stample joined by Chris Towers, who was out in Beantown this weekend. How was it, Chris? It was nice. You know, it's a it's a it's a fine little city. It was honestly like just the worst possible weather, so I can't really give you an honest so brutal uh, interpretation of Boston because it was forty five degrees and rainy pretty much the entire time I was there. Like literally, like halfway to the on the drive to Boston from New York, it started raining, and it basically didn't stop until we got to like New Haven today on the drive back. Seriously, uh, it was so bad in the Northeast this weekend. It was, yeah, it was awful. I watched five, five and a half, six and a half innings, five and a half innings of a Marlins Red Sox game on Friday that absolutely should not have been played. <laughs> I've never seen worse conditions for a baseball game. It was frankly disgraceful that they kept letting them play. But man, Fenway is like all it's cracked up to be. I had such a good time just walking around Fenway during that game. Like, it was cold. It was miserable. I didn't actually even go to my seat because it was raining the whole time and I had to pay for the seats that they don't cover up in the upper decks. But <laughs> man, that place is just awesome. Like I can't imagine what it's like when there are actually like a ton of people there. It must be so claustrophobic, but it was it's so cool. Yeah, this is going to be heresy for Yankees fans that might be listening or watching, but I, I'm, I've always wanted to go. I haven't gone to Fenway yet. But it looks amazing. Like that that Fenway Park is just so old and it's it's classic, right? So I, I've got to get out there eventually. It's just, you know, if I go to a Yankee Red Sox game there, I'm wearing Yankee stuff. Like I'm not a confrontational person, Chris. Like I'm, you know, easygoing kind of guy. I'm not trying to get in any fights or anything. And people are crazy. So I, I don't know. I, maybe I'll just go for like a random Red Sox, I don't know, Marlins game or something like that. I wore this one, the Miami City Connect one, and uh, nobody bothered me. Maybe it's because, you know, it doesn't look like a Marlin. You could kind of just think it's a Red Sox shirt. shirt. So, yeah, True. that's fine. But no, it was great. I went with some high school buddies. There were uh, five of us from Flanagan High School's graduating class of 2006 in the uh, stadium. Me and my three friends, plus J.D. Martinez, we all combined for uh, two RBI. 
between the five of us. So it was pretty good. <laughs> pretty Very good day nice. for the Flanagan Falcons. Very nice. Uh, the YouTube chat. Shout out to everyone watching us live on YouTube right now. We appreciate you being here. Always late nights on the East Coast. Uh, much easier to do on the West Coast. They want more cats, Chris. We haven't seen your cats in a while, so I'm not going to. I got to kick them. I, I kick them out. They it, it it really bothers me. They're like just they're everywhere. Then if I leave them in here, it's like they sleep all day, and then as soon as like the light comes on, they're just like it's showtime. They know the deal. And I just it's very it causes me a lot of frustration <laughs> when they're doing it. Like it's cute, I get it, ha ha ha. But like there's cat hair flying everywhere. It's just it's a whole thing. It's true. It's true. You guys, I'll, I'll bring one of them in. You guys don't see behind the scenes at times when either right before or right after Chris is just like freaking out because his cats are just all up in his face and stuff while we're trying to do it's it's yeah. it's funny. It's but a lot. It can be distracting. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right. Let's finally get to the baseball. We'll recap some of Monday's action. Of course, who is a standout, Chris, that you would like to highlight? Let's go with uh, Jose Arquiti who looked really good in his return from the IL. His fastball velocity was actually uh, up one and a half miles per hour in the start against uh, Boston. Uh, average 93.5 with the fastball, 10 whiffs with the fastball, which is very impressive on 29 swings. Uh, 15 whiffs overall, nine strikeouts in six innings, I believe. Very good start for Jose Urquidy, who uh, he's a weird pitcher. For sure, he doesn't um, he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he's got great control. He doesn't get a ton of ground balls, but he doesn't give up a ton of home runs either because he you know, does tend to uh, limit damage on those fly balls. I think he's pretty good. Um, he is like eighty ish percent rostered. I, I think that should probably be closer to unanimous. And um, I'm a fan. Yeah, I thought this was a great start. A great return for Jose Urquidy back in the rotation this Monday, obviously against the Red Sox. He mentioned it, nine strikeouts to just one walk, 15 swinging strikes on 87 pitches. And he is someone that has always outperformed his peripheral numbers, Chris. So he has a a 3.36 ERA in his career compared to a 4.71 XFIP. And you could probably do a better job of this than I can, but why is somebody like Urquidy able to outperform his peripherals? I feel like the name we always bring up is like Marco Estrada. He was the poster boy for doing this year in and year out, years back uh, when he was actually pretty fantasy viable. But why is Urquidy able to maintain the success despite the, the underlying numbers not looking as good? Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing here would just be that he he does not let opposing hitters make strong contact very often. And and I guess what I mean by that is like, it's a lot of balls that they just get, just kind of get under. It is a little bit similar to Marco Estrada. His, you know, there's bad ball profile on baseball savant. He's got a 40% under percentage. That's how often the batter gets under the ball when they swing. Um and so that can lead to a lot of fly balls. Generally, fly balls we view as a bad thing. We want ground balls, but fly balls turn into hits less often, especially if you can you know, keep those fly balls from leaving the yard. Some pitchers do have control over that to at least a certain extent. Um, and he does seem to you know, have some ability to affect that better than the average pitcher because he does do a good job of, of limiting hard contact. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And the fact that, you know, look, if a pitcher is going to be a fly ball pitcher, I've always said this, Justin Verlander, someone I would normally use as an example for Mm -hmm. this. If you're going to be a fly ball pitcher and potentially be prone to giving up home runs, I want a pitcher who doesn't walk anybody because at least a lot of those home runs are going to be solo home runs. And Jose Urquidy in his career 
has averaged 1.9 walks per nine, which is just a great number. So he gives up a lot of fly balls. Some of those will turn into home runs, I guess, as the season goes along and the weather starts to heat up. But he doesn't walk anyone, so I think that really helps Jose Urquidy's case there. Chris, I wanted to highlight a few of the Cleveland middle infielders who had great days on Monday, specifically Amedo Rosario, who has had a great month of May. Like, yeah. We haven't talked about this guy enough, but he went three for seven across their doubleheader, including his third home run of the season. And in the month of May, overall, finishes with a 307 batting average, one homer, three doubles, three triples, four steals for Amedo Rosario. He's only 20% rostered. And while we're at it, Let's talk about his uh, his teammate up the middle there, Cesar Hernandez, who had a double dong in game one of that doubleheader. And he actually has career-high stat cast numbers this season. A 262 expected batting average, 451 X-slug, career-high 90-mile-per-hour average exit velocity, 39.6% hard hit rate, uh, and he's only 38% rostered. So, Chris, if you were looking for a middle infielder, more so in a deeper league, you know, if you play yeah. in a... 12-team Roto League or deeper where you have a second shortstop and a middle infielder in your starting lineup, which one would you prefer between Amedo Rosario and Cesar Hernandez? I think it's probably Rosario. I think the biggest thing is just the, the stolen base potential. I think there's a little bit more of that for Rosario. He's he's frustrating because he is uh, hitting better, and you know you, there are some reasons to be optimistic. 41% hard hit rate, uh, 42% actually, career high. Um Launch angle, a little up from last year. Uh, max exit velo, pretty solid. And then you look around and the, the overall numbers are just, like even the expected stats, 303 expected Woba, 298 Woba. He, he's not really getting unlucky. I, I I look at him and I see someone who should hit 280 or 275 at least, and I'm not sure why he isn't. And maybe, you know, the the performances may, in May is more indicative of what we can see moving forward. Um, and I sure hope so because... You know, he is playing every day. He is still very, very fast. He spreads the ball over the field. There's a there's a path forward for Ahmed Rosario to be a, a very useful fantasy option. Uh, I just want to see, you know, more than just a, a hot stretch, I guess. Yeah, 97th percentile sprint speed for Ahmed Rosario. He's always been very fast. He hasn't been very efficient on the base paths yeah. in his career. But now playing for a team in Cleveland where he's starting every day, uh, they sent... What is this gentleman's name that I am forgetting right now? Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez. They sent him down to work on some things. Uh, so because of that, Rosario is going to play every day. And on Cleveland, they like to run. So I, I think that that is going yep. to open up some steal possibilities for him. So especially in category or roto leagues, I think Ahmed Rosario is someone that you can look at if you need a middle infielder. Another name I'll just throw in here, Chris, Willie Adamas. Since he has gone over to the Milwaukee Brewers in that trade, he hit another home run on Monday. He's batting 324 with two home runs in 10 games with Milwaukee, 34% rostered. Would you rank Willie Adamas ahead of... Ahmed Rosario or Cesar Hernandez if you needed a middle infielder? I think I might. Maybe not in a roto league because Rosario does have, you know, potential to at least steal uh, a few more bases. But, you know, I'm trying to see. There was, I saw someone mention today that Adamas has talked about how he didn't see the ball well at Tropicana Field. He has a 616 career OPS um, at Tropicana Field. He's a, wow, this is. 220 average, 628 OPS for his career at home. 293, 862 on the road. That, that is stunning because most hitters hit better at home. Yeah. That is just uh, 
generally true. It's usually not a big gap. He's been really, really good on the road. 159 games started 27 homers. Um, he's just been pitiful at home. So it, it's entirely possible that there could be something there. Yeah, and now he goes to a great park to hit in in Miller Park. It's obviously much better for left-handed power, but still a great hitter's park all around. So really good stat there, Chris, that you point out, because I did not realize that with Willie Adamas. And how can you blame him? I mean, Tropicana is kind of a weird place to hit in, too, so I can imagine why uh, it might be tough on some people there. Let's hit some news and notes from Monday, and we'll start with uh, a few starting pitchers who have rehab updates. Luis Severino is expected to begin a rehab assignment this Sunday. We could see him by late July. He is 67% rostered. Chris Sale continues to increase the intensity and length of his throwing programs as he progresses toward rejoining the Red Sox rotation. Early to midsummer was the update there, so there's not really any timetable for Chris Sale, but I think it's going to be a little bit longer than Severino. Maybe post-All-Star break, mid-July is something we could expect for Sale. He's 69% rostered. Tony Gonsolin is expected to join the Dodgers rotation next week. He's 63% rostered. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez from the Miami Marlins could return when first eligible on Thursday. He's 44% rostered. And then Zach Gallen is set to throw a bullpen session on Tuesday. He's dealing with a UCL sprain, which obviously is pretty scary there. But Chris, how would you rank these IL stashes? It sounds like Eliezer Hernandez is coming back very soon. Uh, but between Severino, Sale, Gonsolin, Hernandez, how would you rank those four? I think it's Severino, Sale, Gonsolin, Hernandez, but I like all of them. And, you know, I, I think even, you know, anything deeper than a 12 team, I think Eliezer Hernandez is at least worth a look. He was very good last season. Obviously, it was only 25 or so innings, but um, his sliders are really, really good pitch. And um, he's definitely shown flashes of being a solid pitcher. I wouldn't be surprised if rest of season, Tony Gonsolin has the most value of this group. Just because I feel like we're not really taking into account the fact that Severino and Sale coming back from Tommy John, their teams are probably going to be pretty cautious with them. And, you know, we've seen, you know, pitchers come back all the time and sometimes it takes them a little bit to uh, to get their arm back back in action uh, returning from Tommy and John, sir. As we saw with no Syndergaard, it's not always a guarantee that they get back. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about guys who are, you know, not currently injured, but currently working their way back. And we haven't seen how they'll hold up to to that increased workload. So they're definitely riskier for sure. I, I think. Yeah, you could definitely make an argument for Gonston all over them. I don't think he has the like high, high, high end ace upside that Severino and Sale do, but Agreed. I think he can be a very, very good pitcher. Yep. According to Jeff Passan, Adalberto Montesi left Monday's game after he felt a slight tweak in his hamstring. The removal was precautionary and hopes are that it is nothing serious, which we've waited all season long for Adalberto Montesi and it's... His first, and he's he's awesome. He's been awesome so far. He's mashing. He hit yep. another home run on Monday too. So this is just terrible timing, especially if you're playing a weekly league. It's I, I imagine yeah. he's probably going to get a few days off here at the least. Jack Flaherty left Monday start due to tightness in his left hip. He actually looked really good before he left. Five innings, two runs. They were solo home runs back to back 
from Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor, but nine strikeouts against the Dodgers lineup is, is pretty impressive there from Jack Flaherty. Pete Alonso and Kevin Pillar were activated on Monday. Pete Alonso actually had two hits, including a home run and four RBI, so welcome back to the Polar Bear. Pete Alonso, Anthony Rizzo participated in drills on Monday. He has missed six straight games with a back issue. Mike Moustakis ran on the field Monday. He's on the IL with a right heel contusion. Kevin Gosman's MRI on his hip came back clean, and the Giants are optimistic he'll make his next start this weekend. Michael Kopech went to the IL with a strained left hamstring. Victor Robles was reinstated and was not in the lineup for the Nationals on Monday. He's 40% rostered. Someone you can look at in deeper category leagues if you are in need of steals. Again, the name there, Victor Robles. Jose Quintana went to the IL. Patrick Sandoval is expected to take his spot in the rotation. Lorenzo Cain is headed back to the IL with a right hamstring injury. Evan Longoria was... He's on fire. He hit another home run on Monday, but he left the game with right side soreness. Ramon Laureano is likely to be placed in the IL with a sore right groin. And in case you thought Jacob deGrom left early because he only had 70 pitches, a few people tweeted at me earlier on Monday night. Uh, it was just because the Mets are being super cautious with him. They've limited him to 70 innings, uh, 70 innings, 70 pitches or less his first two starts back, but he was great. Six shutout, two hits, zero walks, eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 70 pitches against the Diamondbacks. He averaged, averaged 100.1 miles per hour on his fastball. Jacob DeGrom, the guy is just absolutely ridiculous. Some prospect updates from the weekend that I didn't get to yesterday. Royals prospect Bobby Witt Jr. had a three-home run game Sunday at AA. He is still striking out 31% of the time, so don't think we're going to see Bobby Witt anytime soon, but it's nice to see him get back on track. Orioles catcher, prospect, Adley Rutschman went five for six, including a double dong on Sunday at double A. He now has more walks than strikeouts in 22 games this season. After a recent hot stretch, Joe Adele is just three for 24 over his last five games at triple A. He has a 35% strikeout rate on the season, and his teammate Brandon Marsh has not been much better. He is, uh, actually, he's been worse. He's batting 190 overall, albeit with a 24% strikeout rate. So I don't think that we are close to seeing Joe Adele or uh, Brandon Marsh, even though the Angels definitely could use some outfield help. Yeah. Some May leaders, and we'll take a, take a look at the 5x5, five five, each statistical category, the traditional batting average, um, and we'll take a look at the pitching side, of course, as well. And for the month of May, Nick Castellanos, your batting average leader with a 409 batting average. Chris, his uh, the breakout, the player that we all thought Nick Castellanos can be, looks like he is finally becoming this season. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to look into the what the exact numbers are. Um, all right, so he had five home runs, 89, 69, 64. Uh, yeah, he had um, 64 balls in play. 32 of them were hits. That's, that's, um, that's insane. 500 BABIP. <laughs> it's really high. It's very high. That's not sustainable. I just want to put that on the record. He is not going to keep doing that moving forward. Uh, but yeah, he's obviously, he's he's been a high BABIP guy for nearly every single season of his career last season being the lone exception. Yeah. Like you don't he need someone to tell you that a guy who's hitting 359 isn't going to keep that up. Next Castellanos is not going to put up a uh, peak Ted Williams kind of season or something like that. That's <laughs> just not going to happen. Sorry, Reds fans. 
He's really, really good. Yeah, the breakout's happening. I think the breakout happened last year, and there was just some weird Babip uh, stuff going on with the Reds last season. He, he's clearly made a leap. Yeah, and I loved Castellanos coming into the year. I have a few shares, but not nearly as much as I uh, would want to have. But the XBA, expected batting average, expected slugging, and expected WOBA are all in the 97th percentile or better for Nick Castellanos this season. The strikeouts randomly jumped up last year to 28% this year back down below 20%, which is where you like to see Castellanos. And I agree with you, Chris, obviously like a 500 BABIP is not sustainable. Even a 409 BABIP, which he has for the uh, 404 rather for the entirety of the season is not sustainable, but somebody with a line drive rate as high as his 33% line drive rate uh, will sustain a high BABIP. Just, not this high. Yeah, obviously. he he's always been a high BABIP guy. He's a lot like, you know, we've, I've made the comment in the past, but he's a lot like J.D. Martinez was, you know, maybe more the Tigers era J.D. Martinez than the, you know, Diamondbacks and after era J.D. Martinez. But there's nothing wrong with that. He's going to hit for, you know, 285, 290 average with a really good power and, and run production numbers. He's awesome. I remember uh, before the season, I said, I, I always thought Nick Cassianos had this Freddie Freeman-esque season in there, in that bat, like 35-plus homers, 100-plus mm-hmm. RBI, 300-plus batting average, and it seems like we are well on our way, so hopefully he can keep it up. Your home run leader for the month of May, Adolis Garcia from the Texas Rangers, who just continues to mash, and what I'd really like to see here, Chris, is that the strikeout rate from April yeah. to May has Dropped precipitously. It was 33.8% in, in April. In May, 26% for Adolis Garcia. And I remember reading that quote where he said, I know pitchers are going to adjust to me. I've talked with my coaching staff. I'm ready to make adjustments back. That tells me that he is a big league ball player. And look, what he's doing now is not sustainable, but I, he's climbed inside each of our top 30 outfielders, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's the whole game. Like This is the thing with, when anytime you have you know, a, a young player like this, especially one with a track record that isn't, you know, out of this world and especially one that strikes out a lot. You know, I think Jess Chisholm is another player who I think the jury's maybe a little still out on how well he'll adjust to the adjustments. Um, but that's what it always is. When a guy comes out like this, pitchers don't know how to throw to him. They'll figure it out real quick, though. Akil, Akil Badu learned that. And the fact that he's been able to sustain this, Adolis Garcia has, you know, it, it's you got to feel pretty good about having him on your roster moving forward. Are you more likely to sell high or just ride it out with him? Uh, who's giving you, you know, if someone's giving me, you know, the kind of thing that a top 25 to top 30 outfielder should garner in trades, I would. I just don't, I don't value him in my trade chart that way. And I, and I doubt most people would. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, your runs leaders for the month of May, they are on the same team. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, they each scored 24 runs. Number two on that list was actually Marcus Semyon, who had 23 runs. So I will, admittedly, Chris, I will take a huge L on Marcus Simeon more than anybody because I was completely off of him. I thought he just had one monster 2019 season because of the juice ball, and he has completely shut me up. We always, in our analysis, said that for Vlad and Bichette, this was in their range of outcomes, just having monster, huge upside seasons. But for them to all really be doing it together, Chris, and the fact that as good as Bo Bichette has been, he, he still, hasn't been that good. He's like a sub 900 OPS guy. And he, I mean, he had a f- 744 OPS in the month of May. Yeah. 
he got on base 40, 40 times and scored 24 times. Like I'm not knocking him. He's been, I mean, clearly the numbers speak for themselves. He's been an awesome fantasy player. It's just, he's a legitimate five category contributor though. He, I think he's on pace for like 125 runs scored. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't like a super great month for in, in that regard. Um, it was for the runs and, and even the RBI were pretty good, but 265 average, four homers, four steals. He wasn't that good this month and he was still awesome for fantasy. I think that's the takeaway from it. It's yep. like my my concerns and my criticisms of Bo Bichette, I, I stand by them. I think he's not a great hitter, but it doesn't seem to matter for fantasy in that line. I mean, he had a 20, 126 plate appearances this month. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Just that entire lineup has been great. So maybe you want to think twice about running your pitchers out there against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, who, as of today, when you are listening or watching this, they are moving back to Buffalo. Salem Park is where they will be playing. Your RBI leader in the month of May, who? Austin Meadows. Just a couple of weeks ago, Chris, we were freaking out about Austin Meadows. He had 28 RBI in the month of May, he's been moved down the uh, lineup. You're including today's numbers, are you? Oh, of course, man. Pro- uh, professional okay. broadcaster. Come on, Chris. Uh, Austin Meadows, he did go two for four with his 12th home run of the season. He hit uh, overall 258 with eight home runs and a 976 OPS in the month of May. What I noticed, Chris, is that he's still hitting way too many fly balls. Yeah. 58% fly ball rate on the season for Austin Meadows. So it's it's you're- been really consistent from April to May. The, the only difference is uh, more of those fly balls have turned into home runs, which has helped his overall numbers, his batting average, his OPS. I still don't really love the fact that this is what he's doing with his batted ball data. You're, you're giving the people what they want, Frank. What is people that? People have been clamoring for you to keep crapping on Austin Meadows because every time you do it, he hits another home run. That's true. Yeah, it's true. This is just reverse <laughs> psychology. I know, I know what you're doing. I see it. Um, I, I think the more interesting player... I mean, it's not that interesting. Like Jose Abreu is second in baseball and or third in baseball in RBI in the month of May. Yeah, that's usually what he does. It was just, does, I think he leads the league now for the season in RBI uh, with forty five, or at least he did coming into today. It's it's so crazy how and like it's not that long ago he was having a really bad season. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so crazy how good he is in those spots, like runners in scoring is, position. It's it's just a legitimate skill for Jose Abreu. Yeah, he has 26 RBI in 21 games uh, since May 4th. 27 hits, 26 RBI. That's pretty good. So uh, any takeaways here, Chris, with, with Austin Meadows? Should we, I mean, the fact that he's hitting this many fly balls, should we just kind of ride it out? Because, I mean, throughout the summer months, those are probably going to turn into home runs even more. I don't know. I just, I don't know how to feel about it. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, what you're seeing now is, um, you know, he has cut the infield fly ball rate which is, you know, fly balls aren't necessarily bad. They're not great for your batting average overall. But, you know, if you can avoid turning 10% of your fly balls into uh, infield fly balls, which is something that Yuli Gurriel has done in the month of May, he had twice as many uh, infield fly balls as home runs. That's where it gets really, really bad. In Meadows' case, it doesn't seem to be that big of a hindrance yet, but... Obviously, you'd you'd like to see him trade some of those fly balls for line drives. I, I don't necessarily want him hitting the ball on the ground more, but you know it's all about consistency in the launch angle. It's not necessarily trying to hit you know a, a twenty seven degree launch angle on average can be a really good thing or a really bad thing. And in his case, you'd rather just see a tighter cluster rather than a bunch of really high launch angle balls and really low ones. 
Your steals leader for the month of May, Fernando Tatis, he had eight. And wasn't too long ago we were worried about the shoulder. That I mean, that is <laughs> a worry no more. The nice. numbers on the season, mind you, this guy missed the minimum. I know because, no, I didn't eat my hat, but like I kind of started a podcast eating my hat. Um, the, well, you should have swallowed like a swatch of hat. Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right about that. Yeah, sure. The 5x5 five five numbers for Fernando Tatis on the year, 299 batting average, 38 runs, 40... Nope, that's 37 RBI, 16 home runs, 12 steals, a 1091 OPS. I think he is probably no. It's not. Why not isn't probably. he? Why isn't he right there with Ronald Acuna? I was just gonna say. What, I think. What's he, the argument for him not being there? I think he is the number two hitter in in Roto right now, yeah. like rest of season, just behind Ronald Acuna. Yeah, I, I think that it's one A, one B. I guess Tatis carries a little more risk, but it's not like Acuna's been. Injury free himself, he just hasn't missed a bunch of time yet. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. Fernando Tatis, the guy is ridiculous. Uh, before we move on to pitching, I do have a bonus here, Chris. We'll play a little family feud style. I have seven hitters had an OPS over a thousand for the month of May, so you will be allowed three strikes, three wrong answers, and if okay. you get it right, I uh, haven't thought of a prize yet for you. But if you think of something, you'll just win. Just Venmo me two dollars. That I will do. I will Venmo you two dollars right. if you can get all seven of these. Good. All right, so go ahead. Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos is one of them. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not one of them. Hmm. Just missed. Uh, Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is one of them. Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis is not one of them. You have two strikes. Wow. And you have five more to get. <sighs> Say goodbye to your two bucks, Chrissy boy. Um... Adolis? Adolis Garcia is not on the list. Max Muncy is. <laughs> yeah, Max Muncy is on the list. Actually, Max Muncy is the leader in the month of May. He has something like a near 1,200 OPS, which yep. is just absolutely ridiculous. The other names on this list with an OPS over 1,000 for the month of May, Marcus Semyon, Brandon Crawford, Austin Riley, yeah. and Jesse Winka. So, yep, there you go. Great turnarounds there for, uh, I remember Max Muncy towards the end of April, uh, he was going through a crazy drought and just really turned it on in the month of May. Semyon's been yeah. awesome. We already talked about him. Brandon Crawford has been great so far uh, all season long, but let's move on to some pitching and your ERA leader in the month of May, Kevin Gosman. It's a 0.73 ERA. Hopefully the hip is fine. It sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, Chris, I have zero shares, exactly zero, of Kevin Gosman this year. I, I may have one, but yeah, I, I don't have much of the uh, of the Gosman. It's rough. It's a rough scene out here. And I don't think I have any of this gentleman either. The whip leader in May, Brandon Woodruff, a 0.67 whip, which he's kind of like a better version of Lance Lynn, which is... No slight to Lance Lynn. It's just yeah. Brandon Woodruff does it in such an odd fashion where he's so fastball reliant, but it's a really, really good fastball, and he, he mixes in a slider and change up a little bit here and there. But, I mean, he's taking his game to the next level. Obviously, he's not going to maintain these numbers all season, but he has legitimately entered top 10, top 8 starting yeah. pitcher ace territory. And he has become a little less fastball heavy this season. Uh, but the biggest thing for him... and you know, I had my my concerns about him going into the 2020 season, coming off 2019. 
And that was a big part of it. He just was too dependent on his secondary pit or on his primary pitches, you know, his fastball and his sinker uh, or his four seamer and his sinker. What I noticed last season was the spin rate on the four seam fastball was up. It hasn't been up quite as much as it was last season, but he's still getting a ton of whiffs with it. He's still using it as a put away pitch. And the for Woodruff, his one, his sinkers just always had really good results. Um, it's not a great swing and miss pitch. No sinkers ever really are, but he's really hard to make good contact with. He kind of combines like Kyle Hendricks contact suppressibility, but with, you know, Max Scherzer's strikeout to walk ratio. He's phenomenal. He's one of the, I don't think I have him ranked. I think I haven't meant actually I'm thinking about it now. I think I have him in the top 10. And if I don't, I'm an idiot and I should. <laughs> I will quickly fill some airtime while I pull up. I'm an idiot. (laughs) No reason not to. Yeah, I have Brandon Woodruff up at SP7. Scott has him at SP8. And you have him. SP7 for me. uh, Now you moved him up to SP7. So there you go. Shout out to Brandon Woodruff. He has a a 0.69 whip overall on the season, which is just just, unheard of. He combines everything you want. He's an elite strikeout thrower. He doesn't walk anybody really. Um, and yeah, he's really hard to, you know, his results on quality on contact are really, really good as well. Your wins leaders for the month of May, Kevin Gosman and Lance Lynn, they each had five. I don't know that there's anything we could take away from wins because they're kind of a stupid stat, obviously. Congratulations, fellas. Yes. I mean, it's funny, like <laughs> they went five and zero oh in six starts and Julio Arias and Lucas Giolito both went four and two. They yeah. won fewer win two two more losses. They were much worse for fantasy. And they weren't that actually that much worse in real life. Your strikeout leader in strikeout leaders in the month of May, Max Scherzer and Zach Wheeler, who we spoke about a ton yesterday, and rightfully so. Each of them had 57 strikeouts. Uh, another one here, Chris, where I will uh, I'll take the L on Max Scherzer, 150 million percent. But you were all on him before the season. He was your SP four. So, congrats on keeping the faith. Yeah, it's looking pretty good. Um, almost at 100 strikeouts for the season. So that's uh. Pretty close to a 300 strikeout pace for Max Scherzer in his age 36 season. Yeah, uh, just stay healthy, Max Scherzer. That is that is all we need because you have you have been amazing. Uh, your saves leader in in May, another one. You know, I chose a great podcast to have you on, Chris. Not that I chose; it's just you know you were available. Um, Alex Reyes had nine saves in the month of May, so someone that you were very excited about right before the season started. Uh, not that you knew he was going to be the closer, but. Once he took over that job, I mean, there's been no looking back. Jordan Hicks is on the IL, and Giovanni Gallegos is fine, but not nearly as good as Alex Reyes. I know he has some, like, walk issues, and yeah. I think he's one of those weird pitchers where his whip is higher than his ERA, which just doesn't really add up. But he finds a way. He finds a way to get it done. He's, uh, yeah, I think he's kind of the, the, the effectively wild poster boy at this point because he's just, like, he has a 178 XBA. So it's not just, you know, Good luck. He's really good at avoiding hits. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we are going to take a look at some others who stepped it up in the month of May. We'll do that next year on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hunter Renfro went two for three with his seventh home run of the season on Monday. And in May, he hit 319 with six home runs and a 938 OPS. Very under the radar. A lot like Ahmed Rosario, where we've talked about Renfro here and there, but I don't know that we really have realized the extent of just how good he's been. He is 28% rostered, Chris. Does that number need to be much higher for Hunter Renfro, or is this just a hot month? Yeah, I think it's just a hot month. He, he's been around for a while. We know what he is. He's a, a pretty good source of power who doesn't do enough of everything else to to rise above, you know, just kind of madam. So he doesn't need to be rostered in three outfielder leagues, but probably five outfielder leagues, right? Yeah, I think that's the the way to put it, yeah. Carlos Correa has heated up his last 15 games, 373 batting average during that time, three home runs, and 16 walks to just seven strikeouts. So the plate discipline has been a career best this year for Carlos Correa, a 15% strikeout rate on the season. That has been up over 22% each of the past three seasons. So I think we have ourselves a bit of a buy-high situation here, Chris. The numbers are slowly creeping up, but I don't know if people realize the underlying numbers for Correa and the fact that I think he's actually going to get better as the season goes along. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on in this profile. Um, he's not pulling the ball nearly as much as he did last season or, you know, for his career, even uh, 27.2% pull rate is his lowest since 2017. And I'm not sure how much he played in 2017. So 109 games. So typical Carlos Correa season. So, yeah, I'm not sure if the power is going to necessarily come along, but, um, you know, there there's still... Uh, a ton to to like about what he's doing right now. Like he's not he's not hitting the ball in the air. He's not pulling the ball. So power, you know, he he may be more like an average ish power guy moving forward. But if he's gonna keep striking out like this or not striking out like this, and um, you know, spraying the ball over the field, you'll you'll live with that. Kyle Tucker had three more hits on Monday, and he had a massive May. 296 batting average, six homers, three steals, 940 OPS. The underlying numbers were great for Kyle Tucker all along, hitting in the middle of one of the best lineups in baseball. So uh, I don't really think there's much else to add there on Kyle Tucker. I just hope you held on to him while he was uh, struggling a little bit. He's really good. April. Josh Bell went one for four with his seventh home run of the season. Actually, I have a little soundbite I like to play whenever my guy Josh Bell does something. Hit his seventh home run on Monday, 
and had a 264 batting average with five home runs and a 795 OPS in May. Not great numbers here, Chris, but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, moving in the right direction, but I don't know, moving quickly enough to, you know, not inside my top 20 at first base. Um, so it's been a yeah. great position. It's just, I, yeah. And like a 795 OPS in the month is, yeah, you're going to need to do better than that after how bad he was in April. I do agree with that. This gentleman is it finally happening? Is it, is it the breakout happening? Gavin Lux had a double dong on Monday and in the month of May, a 285 batting average, five home runs, 19 RBI in 27 games, which is just a great number for a middle infielder. And he is 79% rostered. Chris, I kind of feel like Gavin Lux needs to be universally rostered at this point. And I'm pretty excited about this. This might actually be the breakout we've been waiting for. Yeah, I want to... The the thing I want to look at is how often he he's played against lefties so far this month and I'm, I'm trying to find it and I, I can't quite. That seems like something that would be hard to find on the spot. Yeah, there's a way to do it. I just, I don't have it in front of me. Um, on the season overall, he has a 500 OPS against lefties with a 200 yeah, average. That remains my concern. 200 average, yep. uh, 25% strikeout rate. The strikeout rate's not actually that bad against lefties. Uh, he does seem to be playing every day or, or pretty regularly against lefties. He's got 44 plate appearances against them, so he's not sitting against them the way he was the last couple of seasons, at least. Um, but yeah, one extra base hit and 44 plate appearances, uh, I still think that's going to hold him back from fully living up to his potential. But yeah, he's a a solid middle infielder for sure. Last name I wanted to mention here, Javier Baez also had a double dong on Monday. He is up to 13 home runs on the year. He had a 281 batting average with an 855 OPS in the month of May. All the while, he did it with a strikeout rate that remained over 30% for the entire month. So the guy just finds a way to defy any type of analytic that you can imagine uh, in terms of strikeout rate because it seems like yeah I mean he's hitting 254 so you know I don't want to overstate the case like he's doing but for someone who has like a 35 percent strikeout rate yeah it's it seems like a pretty good batting average to have but his BABIP is actually slightly lower than 2017 18 and 19 it's 340 so it's still very very high but you know he's within the realm of his usual production here, even with the strikeout rate. And I think it's sort of at the point where there's no real, like, obviously I don't want to say there's no reason to worry about the strikeout rate, but you know, it's, he's fine. You know, he he is what he is and what he is is a borderline elite fantasy shortstop, less so in points, but still very good. Somebody who has stepped it up all season. We spoke about him yesterday as well, but I feel like we just need to keep talking about him until he's, more rostered than he is. Tyler O'Neill now has eight hits, including four home runs. He had another one on Monday, this time off of Trevor Bauer. Uh, eight hits, including four home runs in five games since returning from the IL. The roster rate has climbed. Yesterday, it was below 60%. Today, it's at 71%. So people are listening, Chris. But the biggest downside to him is the fact that he strikes out as much as he does. And it's kind of hard to roster someone like that in a points league. Yeah, I don't think you can really in a points league because he he basically has to maintain, you know, uh, like right now he's got like a 41% home run to fly ball ratio. That's obviously not sustainable, but he does hit the ball really hard, so he can be very good at that. Yeah, I think you're still looking like best case scenario at a 240-ish hitter moving forward, which is, 
given the fact that he's actually got some speed, um, in addition to you know what could be thirty homer power, like he could go thirty fifteen and hit two forty. That that's not out of the question. He could be like a Will Myers type. You know who's a great comp for him? The guy we were just talking about, Javier Baez. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think he's as freakishly talented as Javier Baez. Like Javier Baez is just kind of on a different level as a baseball player. But yeah, yeah I think that makes sense. What is wrong with these? We'll start with some pitchers and look at some hitters as well. But what is wrong with these guys? And uh, what is our confidence level in any of them breaking out or, or bouncing back? Rather is the term. Uh, Jamison Tyone had another rough start against the Tampa Bay Rays. Actually, on paper, it's not a terrible start. It's just not good. Five innings pitched, five hits, three runs, three walks, five strikeouts. He's still eighty-one percent rostered. Actually, I'm going to lump all these together, Chris, and you tell me. Um, which one you have the most confidence in in bouncing back? Dylan Bundy, another clunker at the Giants on Monday. Five and two thirds, four earned runs, three more home runs allowed. He's now allowed twelve home runs on the season. He's allowed twenty one earned runs over his last four starts. He has a six point four nine ERA on the season. Eduardo Rodriguez, another one where, like Tyone, the underlying numbers look pretty good, but he just allowed six earned runs at the Astros, and his ERA stands at five point six four. And the last one, you know, I've been trying to make the case for him. I, I think there's still some things that he's doing good. Chris Paddock, he allowed five runs in four and a third against the Cubs. Swinging strike rate was up 15 swinging strikes on 93 pitches in this one. And the spin rates were up, but he continues to allow a lot of hard contact. So between Tyone, Bundy, Eduardo Rodriguez, Paddock, which one, if any, do you have confidence in bouncing back? And are any of them droppable? I am shocked by my answer, and that is that I have more faith by far in Dylan Bundy figuring it out than anyone else on this list. Did not expect that to be where I landed, but he's actually doing a lot of things really really well right now. He's been above average in terms of limiting hard contact. He's been borderline elite when it comes to hard hit rate. He's top 9% in the league uh, in hard hit rate allowed, and that's actually been the case for three seasons in a row where he's been in the low 30s in that regard. Um, he's giving up a lot of home runs, and that's been a problem. I think it's, uh, was it 12 in 10 starts now? That's not what you want. I think he's mostly fine. And I generally think when you're talking about you know a pitcher giving up a lot of home runs, especially if you're not talking about someone who's got like a 30% uh, fly ball rate or ground ball rate, Mostly that just means that he's making a few mistakes. And I think that's more correctable than something like Paddock, who I just still don't think's got the got the arsenal to get it done, frankly. Yeah, he's just he's doing things right. He's doing some things right right now. He had a 31% yeah. CSW called strikes plus whiffs on Monday. League average is 28%. Uh he just allowed a lot of hard contact. The spin rates were up on his pitches. The swinging strikes were there. It's I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with Chris Paddock, but uh, I, I wouldn't fault anyone who wanted to to drop him at this point because it's been yeah. it's been, been mostly bad all season long. Chris, how would you rank these pitchers in terms of uh, most droppable to least droppable? Tyone, Bundy, Erod, and Paddock. Uh, most droppable to least droppable, I would say Tyone, Rodriguez, Paddock, Bundy. Okay. And would you actually want to drop any of them or be okay dropping any of them? I'd be fine dropping Tyone. It's not a must drop, but if there's someone out there who I'm interested in, I I think I'd be okay with that. Well, 
Funny you bring that up. Are you interested in any of these pitchers? Wade Miley in his return. Gave you a quality start. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Johnny Cueto went up against the Angels. He was opposing Dylan Bundy. He allowed one run over seven innings with five strikeouts. He's got a 3.45 ERA on the season. Logan Gilbert. Hey, you heard of that guy. He turned in his first quality start of the season. Finally lasted uh, six innings in this one. Two runs, five strikeouts against the Oakland A's still gave up a lot of very hard contact, however. Yeah. Uh, and Mike Miner against the Pirates, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. He now has seven or more strikeouts in five straight starts, which is kind of interesting for Mike Miner. So uh, between Miley, Cueto, Gilbert, Mike Miner, they are all rostered in 61% of CBS leagues or less. Would you be interested in adding any of them, Chris? Gilbert, I don't think he's, uh, you know, like, like Tyone, you know, it's not like I view Gilbert as a must add. If I, if you wanted to drop Tyone and take a chance on Gilbert, I think that's fine. If he's available, I don't think it's necessary. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're with any of these pitchers, you're chasing, I don't think ace upside, but you know, relatively high upside in, in Gilbert's case, obviously, because he's so young, he could make that leap. Um, we were certainly talking about him as if he had that potential three weeks ago. So yeah, I think if Gilbert's out there, I would, I would take a a chance on him. I was watching some of that start for Gilbert and something that I've noticed in his struggles, his first couple of starts was that he had a really, really rough time commanding his breaking pitches and they looked a lot better in this start against Oakland where uh, they were just dying right out of the zone at the perfect time and got a few swings and misses on some sliders and curveballs. So uh, that, that was the biggest takeaway for me. He did allow 10 hard hit balls. So that is obviously suboptimal for Logan Gilbert, but uh, it seems like he kind of figured something out and, and hopefully he can build off of this. So, um, yeah, Logan Gilbert there. A few hitters. What is wrong with uh, with some of these guys? And do we have confidence in them bouncing back? Nelson Cruz went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts on Monday, and he is just 2 for 19 since he returned from a wrist injury he was dealing with. He missed a few games. He was hit by a pitch on his wrist on May 20th. He currently has the lowest XBA, X slug and X woba in the Statcast era for his career. Chris, are are you concerned about Nelson Cruz? It's I mean we're talking about someone who's over forty years old at this point. I don't know. Maybe the the hit by pitch is bothering him. Maybe his wrist isn't fully healthy. But no, I, I'm not concerned. I would guess, you know, seven or eight days ago, his Statcast stats probably looked pretty normal, and and in a lot of ways they still do. He's you know, still well above average in ex- average exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit rate, XWOBA, basically all these things. So I I think it's just he's 0 for, or 2 for 19 since his wrist injury. He's probably okay. Something I noticed last year, which is partially the reason why I, I was not as into Nelson Cruz, you know, of all the utility-only bats coming into the year, I w- he was probably the one I wanted least at his cost. Uh, was last year he had a 46% ground ball rate, which was the highest of his career. And in the month of May, he has a 51% ground ball rate. So that obviously is not helping things. Those are a lot of the times automatic outs for Nelson Cruz. Uh, But if he can get back to lifting the ball, I think that's something I want to pay attention to early on in June for uh, Nelly Cruz. DJ LeMahieu, Chris, he went 0 for 4 on Monday and is now batting 262 with a 684 OPS. Some things that I noticed that are wrong with him right now. A 17% strikeout rate, which is still very good in comparison to anybody else in baseball, is his highest since 2014. His average home run distance, which 
we cited coming in was very low last year. Uh, it is, again, the lowest in baseball. His average exit velocity is down two miles per hour. His home run to fly ball ratio has been up over 19% each of the past two seasons with the Yankees. This year, it's 8%. So this might ha- be something to do with the ball when it comes to DJ LeMahieu. What do you think? Yeah, I think a little bit of it is the ball for sure. He's someone, we, we talked about this before the season, he he was getting the most out of his home run production, um, largely thanks thanks to a lot of very, very short home runs. And, you know, I think he'll hit more than he has moving forward. Like, I, I don't think he's all of a sudden a single-digit home run guy playing half his games in Yankee Stadium. But, you know, we are talking about a 32-year-old who, let's just say this, betting against guys coming off career years, it, it's not undefeated, but it it works out in the end. And in LeMahieu's case, he was coming off by far the best season of his career in a way that, you know, he was basically his career best at everything. And that probably, that usually doesn't happen. You know, something goes wrong for most hitters most years. And you were paying for the version of DJ LeMahieu where things didn't go wrong. And that's really hard to sustain. I think he's better than what he's shown for sure. He's not a sub 700 OPS bat, but... I'm not betting on him becoming, you know, turning back into an elite hitter. Last one I'll mention here, Jared Kelnick went 0 for 3 with two walks and a stolen base on Monday. He is batting, however, just 118 through his first couple of weeks here in the major leagues. And uh, some people have been emailing and, and tweeting in, Chris, and asking if they can drop Jared Kelnick. Is that something you would advise doing? I don't see any reason to drop him, frankly. Yeah. Um, you didn't wait as long as you did for Kalanick, or you didn't spend as much as you did in Fab for 18 games. You know, you, you did it because you think he's an extremely talented hitter, and he is. And I, I think he'll start showing that more often. But it's really difficult to hit the ground running in Major League Baseball. And this is something I actually did look up beginning of last week. I'm trying to find some of the numbers, but basically what I looked up looked up was that rookie hitters on the whole are having their worst season since like 1992. And it's basically across the board. They're striking out more. They're hitting for a lower batting average. And this is relative to the league. This is not just, you know, even accounting for league batting average being low. They're hitting worse than they have been, um, which makes a lot of sense. Like we talked about last week. If you didn't play organized, you know, competitive baseball last season, it might be really, really hard to make the leap to the majors. And I, I think that might be what we're seeing right now with uh, with the rookies. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a great point and one that we should, you know, rehash is these minor leaguers were they didn't play last year outside yeah. of the alternate training camp, which is not. You can say whatever you want. It's not real baseball. It's not, yeah, it's you know, a sanitized environment. Live in-game action. So, a lot of the, you know, it, it might affect and this is something, you know, we can do like a broader segment on uh moving forward is just it might affect production or development rather for years to come for many mm-hmm. different prospects. You know, a lot of these lower guys that missed out on an entire year, guys that were just drafted last year now, some of them look really good in the minor thing like Max Meyer, the starting pitcher for the Marlins, he looks great so far, but he was advanced coming out of college. Um, but I think there are a lot of guys, you know, coming out of high school, maybe some international free agent signings who 
I, I think this is going to stifle development for years to come, and we're really not going to know what the overall effect is until yeah. later on, five, 100%. ten years from now. So it's 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 something worth keeping in mind. And maybe next year when we're talking about drafting prospects for redraft leagues, we are a little bit more cautious with it and don't have as lofty expectations, I think is probably mm-hmm. a good way to put that for next season. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates from Monday. The closer carousel goes round and round for all of these teams, but uh, the Minnesota Twins basically all year long. Uh, Taylor Rogers was used in the ninth inning to face the three and four hitters in the Orioles lineup. He induced a uh, double play with a runner on base. Hansel Robles picked up his fourth save of the season in the 10th inning. So I think it's still kind of a mix and match there with the uh, with the Minnesota Twins. This one, maybe not. Maybe J.P. Fireisen is just the guy for the Tampa Bay Rays until they decide that he's just not anymore. Uh, but he picked up another save and now has the last three saves for the Rays. Mind you, this guy was, I don't know. He was traded to the team, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, 10 days ago, and he has the last three saves for the Rays. I don't know... How, why, where they come up with this stuff, but they do. He's 16% rostered. Chris, what should that number be? Because I kind of feel like Fire Icing needs to be owned in all category leagues right now. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I, I think that's the the right way to view it. I, I don't think in a head-to-head points league um, it matters, but if you can get two or three saves out of him for the next couple of weeks, even that, that has a lot of value. The Chris Towers podcast continues because for Cleveland on Monday... In game one, James Karinchak allowed three runs with a game tied in extras. He took the loss. Then, in game two, Emmanuel Class A struck out the side for his ninth save. So, looked like we were swinging in favor of James Karinchak, but maybe this is something that will make Terry Francona think twice because uh, Class A looked awesome again on Monday. Uh, for Oakland, Jake Diekman pitched in the eighth inning in a tie game. Lou Trevino entered in the tenth with a one-run one lead. And he allowed two runs and took the loss there. For the Royals, Greg Holland pitched in the ninth in a 7-3 game. They scored a few runs in the, I believe it was the eighth inning. So if they didn't, it seems like Greg Holland was probably about to get another save for them. And then for the Atlanta Braves, Will Smith got his ninth save of the season. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Tuesday, Chris. And Garrett Richards is at the Astros. Luis Garcia versus the Red Sox. Brady Singer versus the Pirates. Matthew Boyd at the Brewers. Andrew Heaney at the Giants. And some fellow named John Gant at the Dodgers. I will point uh, out, tread lightly with this Brady Singer fellow, Chris, because uh, a couple of people were, were very angry with very you for... Mad for uh, recommending him last week when he got blown up by the Rays. How dare you miss on this pitcher who is not widely rostered? Yeah, I mean... I think Brady Singer's pretty... Like, I'll stand by it, though. He's got a 343 XERA. He had a 385 XERA last season, 366 FIP. I think Brady Singer's pretty good. I think he's he's not getting enough credit for... Like, I, I would use him tomorrow against the, the Pirates. I think that's, that's a fine matchup. I think Luis Garcia against Boston. Um, and... Ugh. I guess Heaney. I think I'd probably prefer him. I think those are the three that Scott chose yesterday as well. So yeah. uh, I think Singer is number one for me too with that yep. matchup up against the Pirates. I've noticed with Singer though, he's two-pitch pitcher. So, I mean, you have the yeah. same concerns it's with hard. him that you have with, with other guys. But the, the problem with him is he's not even a two-pitch pitcher that has an awesome fastball. You know, for 
years, yeah. Glass now has been able to get away with it. Denelson Lamette, because they throw like 97 miles per hour. That's not Brady Singer. He throws 92, yeah. 93. He's got an okay slider, but uh, outside of that, he becomes kind of predictable. I still think he could be all right on Tuesday against the Pirates. For Wednesday, we have Shane McClanahan at the Yankees, Adbert Alzali versus the Padres, David Peterson at the Diamondbacks, Randy Dobnak at the Orioles, Drew Smiley versus the Nationals, and Carlos Martinez at the Dodgers. I think I would go Dobnak, Smiley, and McClanahan. I I do like Alzali, the pitcher. Don't love the matchup for the Padres. Yeah, don't love the matchup. Yeah. Uh, Shane McClanahan, for sure. I, even though he might only give you five innings, I might, I might put him number one on this list. The Yankees are just lost right now, and they're, they're struggling. They're throwing some bums out there in their lineup, so uh, yeah. I do like McClanahan. He's been awesome. He's If he qualified, I think he's like top five in baseball and among starting pitchers in, qualify, uh, in swinging strike rate this year, rather. So he's been very good. Let's wrap up with some team name Tuesday here, Chris. And this one's from Aaron. Here a towel. Sure, sure. From Luis, not Albie's boat. I don't get that one. I don't. I mean, you're my you're my pop culture guy. So if if you don't get something, I, I, there's not yeah. a chance that I'm getting it. So no, I don't get that one. Uh, from Baker, recency bias. Yep, yep. Reese Hoskins. Yep. Uh, from Cole, who actually helps moderate our fantasy baseball today Facebook page. So thank you, Cole. We appreciate your your help there. Uh, hold me close, Otani dancer. Hold me close, Otani dancer. Uh, to uh, to Kobe Bellsbury. Yep. Advanced Glaber metrics. Yep. Yep. Joe Buck yourself. That's that's a that's a classic. <laughs> Goldschmidt happens. Yep. Yep. From Mike, what's that snow? Yep. From Matt, in honor of both Martes being back in action, I've got three team names all referencing songs from the same album. Hoping Chris can guess the rocker. It's time to Marte. Yeah. <laughs> Marte till you puke. Yep. When it's time to Marte, we will Marte bar. Yeah, I mean, I don't get the bar part because I, I, I assume this is this is Andrew WK. And so it's when it's time to party, we will party hard. Uh, that's how the song starts. Um, yeah, that's Andrew WK. Like, dude loves to party. Is that just the name of the artist or is he a lead singer for a band? Andrew WK is the name of the band band and the artist i think it's like an alice cooper situation oh all right yeah i mean i would have never known um <laughs> oh these are these are right up your alley here chris from neil they are lost themed don't tell me what i can't but do yep oh kelnick 815 or 815 yeah we have to go bra brock brack brack, brack. oh brad uh, brock yeah. okay we have to go brock yeah that's that's uh, yeah yeah uh, it, and then he adds, if I can get into it, the bag of retired players, Black Smoke Monster. Yep. Not Penny's Choate. Uh, yeah, yeah, Randy Choate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that works. And my favorite, Scooble Everybody. Scooble Everybody. I don't get it. It's not my favorite. It's it's Neil's favorite. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't I don't get that one. All right, I I, I guess I, is it still lost themed? I don't even know. I well, I do realize now not Albie's boat must be a lost reference, not Penny's boat. Okay, um, I, that has to be what that's referring to. Uh, this next one's from Finn. If McGee can't, if McGee can't do it, Enoa Juan McCann. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> I really appreciate the ones that try way too hard. I love it. Uh, from Max, who is John Gant? Yep. <laughs> from Patty, these are also lost themed. We have to go, Blackman. Yep. And yep. don't tell me what I can't but do, which we've already had today. No, I, I, I yep, all those. All right. Prefer the lost ones. More lost ones. Yeah, send them uh, in. I'm also I'm also starting to watch Scrubs again. If anybody wants to send in some Scrubs team name uh, themed ones, I'd be down for that one. I am watching Parks and Rec for the first time, and it is awesome. I am thoroughly enjoying it. So if anyone wants to send some uh, Parks and Rec team name Tuesdays, we will appreciate those as well. Okay, I'll try to think some. <laughs> All right, for Scott and Frank, for Scott, his that is Chris. He's bald. He has a beard. He's not Scott. Uh, for Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.